Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 245th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast. Brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel, Revel Advertising Studio. No. MSP Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How about you? We owed Revel one last shout out. <laughs> I mean, in the it'll intro. probably happen again. I guess. <laughs> uh, you doing well? I'm doing well. Busy time. Busy time of year. Yeah. Uh, I work at a school. I am going to school to get my master's. You're about to graduate from college. Yeah. So wow. trying to wrap up two semesters at the same time. It's a little busy, but it's all good. Um, did, have you been watching any of the NBA playoffs? No. Hmm. Never mind then. <laughs> it's I, been kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, eight seed Miami Heat. Knocked off the one seed, Milwaukee. They're about to make it to the conference finals, I think. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's a it's a little bit of a flatter landscape than maybe yeah. there has been in previous years. That makes for fun playoffs. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. Um, How's LeBron doing? Are they still in? I Honestly, I haven't watched much of that series because those West Coast games are always past my bedtime. But yeah, they're winning their series versus uh, Golden State. Who are you pulling for? You like Jason Tatum? Yeah. Um, I kind of, I like the heat. I like kind of like that eight seed story. Um, I don't really want Philadelphia to get any further, but I think they're a game up on Boston now. What's wrong with Philadelphia? I don't know. James Harden, Joel Embiid, that's not doing anything for me. How do you feel about the step back? The step back? James Harden step back? Is that a walk? No. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm rooting for Jason Tatum. I'm rooting for the Lakers because uh, LeBron. And, and but you didn't know if they're still in or not. I know they're okay. a game up okay. on Golden State. That's true. You knew that. Uh, I kind of like the watching uh, Phoenix. Super entertaining because mm-hmm. Devin Booker and uh, Kevin Durant. But. Devin Booker and Jason Tatum and MPJ. Yeah, all uh, doing well in the NBA playoffs. Cool. Welcome in, everyone. <laughs> Not sure what that was. Um, yeah, so I have been watching more NBA than baseball, that's for sure. But I saw something where the last time the Cardinals had a losing record, uh, Mizzou football won 12 games. Okay. So I'm all that's, in on that. That's a trade-off you're willing to make? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a Cardinals fan, but that's not even – I don't have to think about that one. No, yeah. We take that deal instantly. Um, what all are we talking about this week? We have some new additions to the Mizzou football team. And, of course, we are following up on what we talked about last week with the uh, recruiting classes, trying to figure out if what's happened with the 2021 class is out of the ordinary. And we're still trying to figure out if we should panic yet or not. Uh, so before we get into all that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and of course you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, before we get into all of our analysis that we did, uh, Mizzou added all-conference guard from Houston, Cameron Johnson. <laughs> Everybody's happy for that. Wow, that scared me. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is this is incredible. Um, this is a fantastic 
news for Mizzou football that I feel like we we needed a little bit of just something good to happen. Yeah. And this is better than good, in my opinion. Uh, this is maybe the highlight of the offseason so far. Uh, Cameron Johnson, 6'4", 305. Uh, two years of eligibility still left. He is an offensive lineman transferring from Houston. Uh, as a freshman, he appeared in 13 games. That's 669 snaps, which is unheard of for a freshman yeah. lineman yeah even at houston wherever right. anyway. yeah um as a sophomore uh you alluded to this first team all aac last year started all 13 games a left guard did not allow a sack in the final 11 games so uh this is a lineman that's probably going to walk in and be missouri's best lineman and probably a top 10 lineman in the sec uh following his offensive line coach who was at Houston Brandon Jones is now at Missouri so that was why we were able to to be in the Cameron Johnson sweepstakes but I'm very happy that we were yeah I saw he allowed one sack in 556 opportunities at Houston yeah now obviously when you're playing on the interior you're probably not facing those edge rushers like you are at tackle but still a fantastic accomplishment and just the definition of stability um so now he's going to come in start day one but where will he start on the offensive line yeah that's the question um you know missouri really struggled last year on the offensive line um bence polger who was the center from buffalo was ineligible connor tollison was kind of thrown into the fire um as a young guy who had to learn how to play the center position it didn't go very well um he played guard in high school and connor tollison was you know he was highly rated come out of out of high school i still think he's a very talented lineman i think people i think some mizzou fans feel like they're maybe ready to give up on him but i would not do that but i think it's very possible cameron johnson might be playing center for missouri next year and connor tollison is maybe playing guard or maybe connor tollison is going to improve because that's very much something that college players do yeah is develop and improve over their time and especially at the center position like you need some reps to be super comfortable with everything that you have to do there yeah for sure so i don't know man i i think cameron johnson I, if i had to guess i guess it's playing guard but i it's kind of a coin flip at this point i think he could be playing center or guard either way i think he's it's gonna make the line a lot better yeah huge uh huge addition and um yeah no matter where if he ends up at uh center then i will feel I think I would feel best about the situation if somebody else steps up and is like takes the starting center position and he can just not have to worry about all that and just be the best offensive lineman he can be at guard. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, Drink was specifically critical of the offensive line still yeah. this spring. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's still going to be an issue. Um, it never wasn't going to be, but this helps tremendously so who's our top five on the offensive line right now i'd say probably uh i'm gonna go cameron johnson uh z powell who is gonna be playing left tackle uh marcellus johnson who i would guess is gonna be playing right tackle and he's the transfer from eastern michigan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and the interior is really where we just don't really know what's gonna happen so if cameron johnson's playing center i'm gonna guess the guards are probably xavier delgado 
and then either Connor Tolleson or Armand Mambu probably. Mm-hmm. And that's probably mm-hmm. the top six. I don't really yeah. know how, how exactly it's going to shake out, but Mambu was playing tackle last year, so yeah. I can't remember if he typically played interior in high school or you know what he's best suited for, but he's very very good. So I think they'll probably try and get it, get him in there if they can. And he'll just be a true sophomore. Yeah. Who? Okay. Well, I think uh, as it stands right now, we should expect better offensive line play than last year for sure. And uh, anything, uh, anything other than that would be a massive. That's true. Down. Yeah, you couldn't get any worse, really. So, I mean, I don't want to think about what it would have looked like worse, <laughs> uh, but we should see a noticeable improvement there. Yeah, I think so. Um. Okay, so there's been uh, – this is not really a huge news item. Nothing's really changed here except Coach Drinkwitz said recently that Brady Cook he, – he, I can't remember the exact wording, but he alluded to the idea that Brady, it's Brady Cook's job because he was the starter last year, and we have challengers that are competing with him. It was not – he specifically decided to frame it that way versus it's anybody's job mm. uh full competition let's see who wins it do, first of all do you think that that's that he's being completely truthful there that that's how he sees it is this just a motivational thing and second is that a good thing or a bad thing yeah i think he's telling the truth um i'm not sure anything's really changed which you know i i think brady cook's back and practicing now and everything he had shoulder surgery in the off season but as far as i know i think he's good to go there yeah um it didn't sound like anybody really pulled away in the spring they had an opportunity um you know and, and maybe he isn't being 100 truthful but you know it uh you know brady cook is easily just as likely to win the job as anybody else in my opinion so it's it's gonna be a, a wild one so with a Let's let's say best case scenario we've got a a noticeably improved offensive line with Brady Cook back out there. He showed enough last year to where we can be pretty optimistic. I think right with this uh, new and improved offensive line. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we can be optimistic. With the weapons that he has. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think I'm jumping for joy if Brady Cook is our quarterback again, but I'm not necessarily going to be like upset about it either. Um, it's just weird man there's so many levels to this conversation and you know we've a conversation we've had a few times where you know brady cook maybe doesn't offer that upside that the other options do but at the same time if we're trying to win eight games i might just say give me brady cook is the most likely option to do that yeah with yeah really yeah quarterback spot is not that's not where you invite variance in your outcomes you don't want to be like yeah give me the high floor or give me that high ceiling but also the low floor you don't necessarily want the guy if all the other pieces are working well you don't really want a guy that's gonna lose you a game yeah in the scenario that missouri has where they're pretty solid at a lot of places i think you're probably right where they're not looking to potentially go young and risky but i think a lot of mizzou fans and i would include myself in this would have thought that like sam horn going into this season would not be viewed as risky right i think we would have liked to believe that he would be like his floor would be about the same as brady cook's floor but with a higher ceiling right but with the rushing upside that brady cook has though he kind of offers something that sam horn doesn't in like this safety sure net yeah where he kind of got us out a lot of weird spots with his legs so 
That's true. I, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know. I, I don't think Brady Cook has a ceiling, obviously, but I still think that he can be a lot. He can improve individually, and also I think the situation has improved, uh, also potentially. So yeah, yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Okay, still a long ways to go with that. Long ways to go. Um, another addition from Mizzou football was defensive end transfer Niles Gaddy, uh, from Jackson State. Yeah, it was. When was this? Uh, like Saturday or something like that. This was like both of these commitments came within like 15 minutes of each other or something so and we needed it it was yeah i mean great great day uh to get two experienced transfers in both positions of need um mm-hmm. but yeah niles gaddy 6'6 250 so good size um had a great year at jackson state fcs uh last year obviously that's a little bit of a unique fcs program um but uh i guess in 2021 is the most recent season i found I don't know if he played last year or not, but in 2021, he had 34 tackles, four sacks, and five tackles for loss in 12 games, and he's got two years of eligibility. On the uh, Jackson State website for 2022, uh, played in 12 games, 40 tackles, uh, seven sacks. Okay, so he played two years at Jackson State? Yep, 11 tackles for loss, including seven sacks. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw that with... um, Oh man, literally just got signed. Uh, we talked about him in the NFL draft. Uh, uh, who are we talking about? The Missouri uh, lineman who came up from FCS last season and was really solid. Um, Darius Robinson? No, I forget I said it. Um, we've seen where, like, these transfers that have experience, even if it's at the FCS level, can like contribute much more reliably than high school recruits at least in the first year so i just kind of feel like you pretty much every season have to be adding at least one or two of these types of players even if it's from an fcs level just go find a hyper productive player with the measurables and and see what happens yeah i feel like uh i'm surprised that he didn't end up in colorado honestly right um they seem like they would have they're taking anybody these days exactly um including arden walker yeah uh in a shock to nobody he committed to colorado from the transfer portal yeah um so yeah i mean two really good additions i mean i i've seen you had him at 66250 i saw 64230 <laughs> so He's somewhere in there we'll see what happens when he gets on the official roster He's tall um but big. yeah so I mean, I think I'm ready to see a guy that can line up on the end and just get after the quarterback. I feel like, I don't know, that's uh, takes such a, it takes a special player, I think, to really make an impact there. But when they can do it, it just makes everything easier for the defense. Oh, yeah. And we've seen that before with Mizzou defenses where we're just not creating pressure of any kind. And even when we have a good secondary doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter too much because you can't guard somebody forever. Right. Cover somebody forever. So, uh, yeah, two solid additions there. Now, last week we talked about the um, transfers out of the program, specifically from the class of 2021. And we went back um, quite a ways here. We did a little bit of research, and we're going to talk about some of these older Mizzou recruiting classes and how many of these high school players uh, came in and contributed to 
Mizzou on the field, and then uh, some big misses that were like highly rated guys that didn't pan out, and sort of how the transfer market in and out of Mizzou football has looked over the last 10 years or so. And we tried to figure out if there was any trends that we could uh, see clearly, but uh, basically going back to, I looked at uh, 2011 and 2012, um, just for fun basically, and uh, some of these names, I I just wanted to get a little nostalgic here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like uh, 2011 recruiting class was 48th in the country, uh, only 17 commitments. But among those were uh, three-star players Shane Ray and Kentrell Brothers, uh, four-star Sheldon Richardson. But this was the second. No, this was the first time uh, he was on Mizzou or he committed to Mizzou. Then he went JUCO and then came back. We see that a few times uh, throughout these recruiting classes. But uh, uh, Connor McGovern was part of this 2011 class, and then uh, 2012 kind of a legendary class with uh, DGB, Evan Bame, uh, Matty Mock, Sean Culkin, uh, Russell Hansborough, Marcus Golden. So a lot of names there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was maybe, and, and then I'll let you pick it up with uh, 2013, but I feel like that 2012 class might have been like one of the peaks for Mizzou football recruiting in like the rivals uh recruiting index age uh so that was a fun one to look at but uh you did a better job of really looking at like the percentage of hits and obviously a lot of this is subjective so it's not an exact science but uh yeah go ahead take it away starting in 2013 um and then uh yeah i'll jump in here and there yeah, first of all, I wanted to say the guy I was trying to think yeah, of a yeah. minute ago it was DJ Coleman, of course, yeah. who was the transfer FCS transfer, who was honestly maybe Missouri's one of the X factors of Missouri's defensive line last year, and was one reason why the def- defense was so good. Signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I apologize, for, uh, DJ Coleman. Uh, but yeah, the purpose of this exercise, I feel like you know we've been looking at the past couple of classes. Obviously, the twenty twenty one class, which we'll we'll talk about eventually, is you know, it's, I think people have kind of pointed to it recently as, you know, we've had some departures there. Is this normal? Do we, you know, wh- how many contributors do we normally have in a class? And so I thought, it was, I thought it would be interesting, yeah, to go back and just look at all these classes. Um, how many guys are we normally hitting on per class? Uh, are these guys normally sticking around? Are they, are they transferring out? Um, and it was just kind of conceptually interesting to see like the changes over the years and uh it's kind of there was like this duality of um a little bit of depression when you think about uh how few guys are hitting per class but also kind of this reality that it's just really not worth getting too high or too low about about recruits on the individual level like if we miss out on a recruit it's like it's fine. that's fine yeah he's probably not gonna be good anyway yeah. i mean just because just playing the all odds. of the yeah playing yeah. the odds all of these classes like hit rates are 30 percent like yeah. for the most part depending on how you want to define a hit so right. you know like you said a lot of um subjectivity here but um i was kind of thinking as a of a hit as someone who contributed or was on the field a lot um even if they weren't that great if they're out there on the field contributing i, I considered that a hit because so many of these players are never seeing the field yeah 
And I was kind of thinking hit, and I was using major contributor sort of interchangeably. Right. Um, so yeah, 2013 was the first year I looked at. One thing I want to mention real quick about all of these older classes, um, going back to 2011, is just like, it's so obvious looking at the results of what happened to these individual players. It's so clear the impact of the transfer portal on college football. Oh, yeah. You can see it happening. You can see the progression just within the Mizzou signing classes, mm -hmm. how when that comes into play and when it uh, makes a big difference. For sure. Okay, so in 2013, we had 21 total commits. And I said we had six hits, which is about 28% hit rate. Uh, some of the hits that I said were uh, that we had in 2013, uh, Charles Harris, Josh Augusta, Eric Beisel, Jamon Moore, Anthony Sherrills, and Arion Penton. Uh, two pretty notable misses we had were Chase Abington and Eddie Prince. Yeah. Uh, the team rank for this class was 41st. So, you know, right off the bat, Charles Harris, one of the most unique recruiting stories that Missouri has had ever, yeah. maybe. Um, first round draft pick and was probably not even on like, and by the way, this, all this stuff is like ri from rivals, like yeah. the team rankings and stuff like that. Uh, just, I don't even think he had a rivals ranking when the day he committed to Missouri. Uh, t out of 21 commits, according to rivals, Charles Harris was 20th as far as his rating uh, yeah. on rivals.com. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, right off the bat, pretty terrible hit rate. Yeah. And it's interesting to me to see like, if you sort it by rivals rating, the top three or four guys versus like the bottom five or six guys, we're basically hitting on guys just as often Same from the rate. bottom half of the class as the top half. Yep. And that continues on. And for... sometimes it's like the lowest rated guy of the entire recruiting class. Right. Uh, 2014. Now this is a, this is the biggest class that we had by far that I looked at in the last decade. Uh, we had 28 commits. It was ranked 34th by rivals as a total team rank. Uh, we had nine total hits for about 32% of the class, and those hits were Walter Brady, Brandon Lee, Ish Witter, maybe not the greatest player, but he was out there, uh, Nate Brown, Thomas Wilson, Logan Cheadle, Paul Adams, Kevin Pendleton, and Kendall Blanton. So, I mean, this is a weird one where it's like none of those guys were stars, like literally none of them, but they were out there just playing a lot of snaps. Yeah, and but you can see in that recruiting class with the amount of guys that were successful to some extent, you can see the foundation of some of the better teams mm -hmm. uh, of like, you know, the um, Barry Odom era. Yeah. You can see that kind of foundation being built there. Yeah, and like not many of those guys probably came in and played early, but just kind of stuck around and developed. Right, and the fact that there's no names there that were like, you know, first you know, three round draft picks. It's like, oh yeah. So it kind of makes sense yeah. that there's this solid core of guys that could get you to eight wins or so. Maybe nobody was too good to draw the attention of, you yeah. know, maybe those blue bloods or whatever. Exactly. But you didn't have enough star power to take you over the top and have a really special season. Right. Uh, some notable misses from this 2014 class, Andy Bauer, Marvin Zanders. Yeah. Greg Taylor. Marvin Zanders, best uh, Mizzou spring game player ever. <laughs> Him and it's Michael so Wilson, true. probably. Yeah, he would just you know ramble off on some huge breakaway run or something like that. 
Uh, and then just um, another thing that I kind of wanted to throw in here were just a couple of like JUCO transfers for per class and stuff like that. Um, most impactful JUCO guy this class was Kenya Dennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2015, we had 25 commits, uh, and Rivals' rank was 27th. Uh, some some big hits were Terry Beckner Jr., Therese Hall, Jonathan Johnson, Emmanuel Hall, Drew Locke, and Cam Hilton. So kind of the opposite of the class before it, where it's like maybe not as many, but all of these guys were really good for the most part. Yeah. So bring in the star power. Yeah. And yeah, it's gonna it's gonna add up to be a pretty solid team here in a couple of years. Yeah. So six total hits there for about twenty four percent of the class. Uh, some notable misses, Marquise Doherty, who was a, a running back who I think was also playing baseball. A.J. Harris was a four-star offensive lineman who never played much. I think he re- retired early for like injury stuff. And then Nate Strong. Uh, very impactful Juco transfer we had is Marcel Frazier, who uh, I believe was drafted. And worth pointing out here, 25 guys committed. 23rd, Jonathan Johnson. 18th, Emmanuel Hall. And I don't remember if you counted him as a hit, but 17th was Rashad Floyd. Mm. Okay, moving on to 2016, we had 22 commits. So every year, it seems like we're kind of less commits uh, than the year before. Uh, This had a team rank of 47. Uh, Major hits, Cale Garrett, uh, Demaria Crockett, Demarcus Acey, Albert O, Tucker McCann, Trey Williams, Tristan Castillo, and Trevor Sims. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Kale Garrett, I'm pretty sure on signing day or like the day before signing day, they were like, uh, we probably need an extra linebacker. You want to call Kale Garrett? He's committed to Navy. We'll yeah. see if we can flip him. And yeah. they did. Yeah. And he ends up probably being the best player in that class uh, other than Alberto. And Demaria Crockett was committed to Boise State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that had uh, that had a few more hits. That had nine hits, roughly probably 38%. Uh, you also threw in Christian Holmes. I forgot to mention Christian Holmes. So interesting to note here with Christian Holmes, this is the first time in since 2011 that we see a guy who contributes a decent amount to Mizzou football transferring to another Power 5 program. Previously... And playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, previously, right. I mean, even... In general. Even going there, yeah. like... Um, Players that signed to Mizzou were either like not playing and then falling off the face of the earth or contributing eventually or, you know, even just being a backup as an upperclassman. But it's like they were staying all four years or we were just never hearing from them again after a year or two. Yeah, it's really bizarre. But then here, you know, 2016, 2016 recruiting class. That means in a couple years, the transfer portal's getting spun up a little bit, and it's starting to happen. Uh, Notable misses in this class, Harry Ballard and Brendan Scales, uh, who is the tight end that we flipped from Alabama on signing day. Harry Ballard was going to be good. Yeah, he was. There's an alternate universe. According to me. There's an alternate universe out there where he was like an all-conference player. Yeah. Uh, I think we saw Harry Ballard a couple of times, actually. I think he yeah. like left and came back two yeah, years like, later. Didn't qualify, and then they recruited him again, and he committed again, and then still, didn't, still didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, 2017, we had 25 commits. Our team rank on rivals was 49th, uh, still in the Barry Odom era. Uh, we had seven hits for a percentage of 28%. 
Uh, the hits were Kobe Whiteside, Ty- uh, Tyree Gillespie, Larry Roundtree, Josh Bledsoe, Chris Turner, Case Cook, and Larry Borum. A- anything there? Uh, Tyree Gillespie and Kobe Whiteside, the very bottom of the, the ratings. Uh, Kobe Whiteside, 25th out of 25. Larry Borum maybe even comes to mind as a guy who was like pretty lowly ranked, but just like had an incredible size. He was just like... All, he was like 300 plus pounds when he came in yeah, and just ended up being just this absolute stalwart of a right tackle and I think is still playing for the Chicago Bears. And one of the rare four-star commits from before the Drinkwitz era uh, at the top of the list with a 5.8 rating on rivals is Deron Davis. Who never makes it to campus. No. And yeah, uh, Kobe Whiteside... 25th out of 25, Tyree Gillespie 22nd, uh, Joshua Bledsoe 13th. So the guys that are like, these guys were staying in the program, developing, and then producing as upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to some extent, pretty good talent talent evaluation here to, on some of these guys. Uh, Josh Bledsoe was not playing the same position in high school that he played at Mizzou. So they were able to kind of find a spot for him, and he ended up being really good. Larry uh, Roundtree, one of the most productive running backs in Mizzou history, just a yeah. three-star guy from North Carolina. Yep. Uh, notable misses from this class, Taylor Powell, uh, Aubrey Miller, who didn't do anything in Mizzou, but ended up transferring to Jackson State and did pretty well there. Uh, like you mentioned, Deron Davis and then Logan Christofferson. Just an absolute nebulous tight end situation for years other than Alberto. Yeah. Uh, a couple of really impactful Juco guys in that class were your Seer Durant, who uh, played in the NFL, and then Walter Palmer as well, I think, was drafted. Uh, 2018, we had 26 commits. Our team rank was 39. Uh, maybe the best class that we'll talk about, potentially, as far as guys that aren't at Mizzou anymore. Uh, actually, there are actually are a couple of guys that are still there. But the hits were uh, Towski Dove, Tyler Beatty, Xavier Delgado, Nick Bolton, Trajan Jeffcoat, Javon, Javon Foster, Jarvis Ware, Daniel Parker Jr., Chad Bailey, and Jalen Knox. So that was 10 hits for uh, 38%. Yeah, and even uh, like Daniel Parker Jr. and Jalen Knox transferred out of the program um, even after having success at Mizzou. So yeah. this is the class that I think... Uh, basically catches us up to modern day transfer transfer portal mania every off season um where coaches talk about having to recruit their whole team back to their program um but interestingly this is so there's three guys here in this recruiting class that transfer to um Ole Miss Houston and Jeff Coat uh transferred to Arkansas uh but Jalen Knox transferred to Ole Miss did nothing Cam Scott transferred to Houston, did nothing, and is no longer on the team. So Daniel and, Parker Jr. to Oklahoma. Daniel Parker Jr. transferred to Oklahoma, didn't and I much. I have no idea what he did. I didn't watch a second of Oklahoma. Le, uh, least productive season of his career, I'm pretty sure. And uh, we'll see what Jeff Coat does this coming year at Arkansas. Um, Towski Dove transferred down. It, see, that's another thing also with the transfer portal. It's like these guys are transferring up or out or whatever, but also maybe they're they've kind of feel like they're recruited over and maybe the coaching staff says 
hey, you're going to have a more productive season at you know a step down. You might just consider looking around. I don't know what happened with Toski Dove, but I think that's a situation where he was a contributor, ended up transferring, and I don't know where he went, but somewhere maybe just a slight step down. Yeah, and um, but at the top, this is an interesting class because at the top of the class, uh, according to rivals, Chad Bailey still on the team, yeah, going to contribute as a, a redshirt senior. At the very bottom of the list, out of 26 guys, 26th and 25th, two two-star recruits by the name of Javon Foster and Tyler Beatty. <laughs> That's absolutely wild. I mean, I you just have to think about high school recruiting, obviously, you know, on an individual level is not reliable, but when they're making these star ratings they're probably looking at measurables they're looking at what they would consider you know this prediction as you know how they predict in the future not not high school production because tyler Beatty would not have been a two-star player but he was undersized and all that stuff he was listed uh coming out of high school listed at five nine one sixty eight yeah uh jarvis ware uh had an interesting career arc uh very productive early on uh at cornerback for missouri some weird stuff happened maybe some disciplinary stuff uh transferred i don't remember where he ended up or what happened after that uh, uh, we did see the return of antar thompson in oh the gosh. 2018 recruiting class antar thompson first committed in 2013 resurfaced in 2018 very strange situation there and uh unfortunately it was cool to see him actually get to mizzou eventually but didn't really do anything yeah uh notable misses messiah swenson uh and then lindsey scott jr who was uh, a juco transfer uh transfer of some kind he played it at several different schools yeah and uh cam scott uh it's interesting to look at some of these guys like cam scott that's the type of player who we won't we weren't seeing a lot of um in earlier recruiting classes a guy who is a young player who gets some snaps, produces to some extent, and then uh, just doesn't really work out anywhere. Uh, so some of these departures from the program are so random and so inexplicable from the outside that it's important to remember when we eventually get to the 2021 class that this is just sort of normal. This is just how it works. 2019, we had 22 commits, team rank of 34 on rivals. Uh, I only had five hits for 23% of the class, uh, and those guys were Darius Robinson, Devin Nicholson, Isaiah McGuire, Martez Manuel, and Connor Basilak. Um, one name that was kind of fringe, maybe, uh, Jelani Williams uh, was around the program, but with him being the top guy on the list i would just expected a lot more from him yep i actually just wrote him down as a miss um yeah I mean, that's probably controversial maybe because he did play quite a bit but he never never took a hold of that starting job uh and yeah a massive recruiting win in-state kid four star yeah uh and never just lived up to it and uh so i wrote him as a miss jamie petway cj boone jack buford were all, uh, maurice massey were all guys that you know were exciting and just never did anything C.J. Boone and Buford transferred to New Mexico. I believe you're right. 
And Maurice Massey, I looked it up. He ended up at Southeast Louisiana. Uh, but then another just bottom of the list guy, Isaiah McGuire, 19th out of 22. And I'd say it worked out okay there. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> uh, Connor Bazelak, interesting interesting situation there. <clears throat> transferred to Indiana. Pretty mediocre there still. Has uh, transferred again. Bowling Green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just kind of keep going down a little bit, just earning the starting job at the next level down. And yeah, <clears throat> in 2020, uh, maybe the smallest class we'll talk about, we had 18 commits for a team rank of 54. So if you recall, 2020 was obviously COVID as well as a coaching change. So, uh, Barry Odom's out and coach Drinkwitz has about a month or two to throw together a class and all things considered, I think that went pretty well. Um, we had six hits uh, for about 33% of the class. Uh, Ennis Rakestraw, of course, uh, famous commitment on signing day. Chris Abrams-Drain. Uh, I This is the first time I'm now introducing kind of what I would say is kind of a projected hit because mm-hmm. he's still very pretty young, but I think is going to be good, and that's Johnny Walker, uh, Brady Cook, Jalen Carlisle, and Harrison Mevis. Yeah, uh, that's pretty solid. I mean, all things considered there with the coaching change and trying to keep a class together and add guys to it late in the game, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, notable misses, Elijah Young, just because of the recruiting prowess and kind of disappointed. Javen uh, Hester, which is a four-star guy from Tulsa who actually ended up like transferring up after not doing anything at Missouri. Uh, and Jay Macklin. Transferring to Oklahoma is transferring up. Transferring to the Big 12 is transferring up? No, it's not. Okay. It's a horizontal move. I want to correct the record there. Thank yeah. you. Uh, uh, notable uh, Juco transfer, Zeke Powell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you mention, did you talk about misses already? Kind of. Uh, Jay Macklin? Yep. Is he at North Texas now? Is that right? Yes. And uh, Chris Abrams Drain going to go to the NFL. Yes. Ennis Rakestraw going to go to the NFL. I think so. In some capacity. Yeah, I think so. Um, Brady Cook going to go to the NFL. Yes. <laughs> After what he does this year. Absolutely. You know, people will start talking that off- about him. That new bit. offensive line. Yeah, new offensive coordinator. Exactly. It's going to happen. Uh, just kidding. Uh, wish him the best, obviously. He's going to do that Anthony Richardson surge. That would be quite a quite a deal yeah sign me up for that i guess yeah i was looking at their stats uh i was comparing anthony richardson after the season yeah to brady cook almost identical stats as far as like rushing yards and passing yards like anthony richardson's product production was so disappointing kyle's model has uh, brady it, they're cook. basically the same yeah. they're basically the same prospect yeah i'll tell the nfl that that was sarcasm that was 2020 it was 2020. I got too many papers. Okay, moving on to 20. So now this is the class. It's the class. Where it's all falling apart. It's Is it? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's what, what we're trying that's to what decide. We're, that's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, we got 23 commits with a team rank of 19, which is the best we'd seen in many years. Uh, this, is, this is where it gets a little sad um, because... Um, we've got four guys who I think we can declare our hits. Those are Dominic Lovett, Damian Wilson, Dalen Carnell, and, uh, Makai Wingo. 
two of those players are now um, at other SEC schools. Makai uh, Wingo had a pretty solid year at LSU. And Dominic Lovett projects to start at Georgia. Okay, you, we got to take a timeout here. Did you see his interview with another Georgia player where he talked about his recruitment and uh, everything like that? Uh, I think I, I didn't watch it, but I yeah. think I pretty much got the gist of it. Yeah, so if it's on YouTube if you haven't seen it. The main thing that I wanted to point out was he specifically says, uh, and I can't even remember the catalyst that caused him to decommit from Arizona State. I guess it could have been Herm Edwards getting fired. I think so. But anyway, he specifically talks about in this interview his mom, who was helping him through the whole recruiting process, obviously, uh, basically saying, uh, looks to me like we have two options here. We can reopen the commitment or you can go to Mizzou. Because he said Mizzou was just always there. Like he was familiar with the coaches. He had been on campus because it's in his backyard. And that was like he didn't even have to basically he was saying to reopen his recruitment completely and start fielding new offers and open all that up was going to be too much stress for the point that he was at in his season and all that stuff. And he just knew that Mizzou would take him in a heartbeat and that's what happened. So you can't help but read into that, that he, there was never really the fit or the match that he wanted. Um, and he also divulged that Georgia and Tennessee were the only two SEC programs that came calling once he hit the transfer portal. Hmm. He mentioned Arizona and Oregon as other uh, schools that reached out, but he also said he absolutely was going to try to stay in the SEC. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I really want to take the high road and you know be a, to have a very mature take on it, you know, it, I it is. I guess I'm still happy that he ended up at Missouri and we got one elite season out of him. Um, our, our offense would have just been detestable last year without him. And I hope that it's not this year because I think he was that good that he was kind of making the offense function at many times in the year. Um, I don't think, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll, I think we'll move on and it'll be just fine. But um, I, but I hate to say it. He's, he's a fantastic player and he will probably be in the NFL in a year or two. And, and Wingo, uh, the situation with him following his former high school coach to LSU, right? that's hard to overcome a little bit. Yeah, it's like, you know, can we look at this as, you know, these individual cases? And I don't know, is it just kind of some unlucky stuff going on here? Maybe, maybe not. Is this a trend? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, a couple of guys I wrote down as like, just too early to tell, but mm -hmm. probably will be hits if we're looking at this five years from now. Uh, Connor Tolleson, Ryan Horsecamp, and Kyron Montgomery are all guys that are still at Missouri. But if you're looking at the guys who are for sure hits and have played and you know are good, and I think we know that about them already, that are still at Missouri is Damian Wilson and Dalen Carnell. So out of the whole class that you know we've got two for sure hits, you know that's not great. Probably more will emerge, but already we know about uh, some pretty significant misses and B.J. Harris, Zachary Lovett. Uh, Tyler Macon and Travian Ford. You mentioned Travian Ford last week. That was pretty, pretty notice, pretty noticeable miss. Whenever he's, you know, a four-star guy in state, one of the first commits to the class, and just never sees the field. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that, like, if we were back when we were looking at this 2021 class and what the prospects looked like for Mizzou, it was like, okay, we got to try to keep him away from Notre Dame, and those type of schools 
and it felt like, you know, I just couldn't wait to get him on campus and see him develop a little bit. And it just never materialized. He was not earning playing time, uh, not winning position battles ever, basically. A couple of Juco situations. We got Realist George and Jadarius Perkins. Um, interesting situation where he was a pretty big recruiting win at the time, uh, beat out some big schools. He enrolled at Missouri and then just maybe like a few weeks or months or days later, he transferred to Florida. And I don't know what happened after that. No, I don't either. Have a great life. <laughs> um, okay, we can talk about 2022 real quick, just kind of the outlook for that class, and then sure. maybe we can tie a bow on everything we just talked about. But um, So 2022, we had 20 commits, uh, team rank of 12, which obviously had a lot to do with Luther Burden. But I think, honestly, though, from top to bottom, it was a really good class. Uh, some guys that I think you know I would project to be hits if we're looking at it five years down the road, Luther Burden, Valen Erickson is a guy who I think has a chance to be really good at tackle here in the next uh, year or two. I think he could emerge. Tavoris Jones, you know, electric running back that I think will hopefully we might we see should him know by the end of this year might take off this year for sure. Armand Membao, we I mean we already know he's already showed us um, more than the typical freshman lineman ever shows. I brought Sam Horn in here. Um, I still am keeping the faith that we're going to see Sam Horn, uh, you know, lead the show. But yeah, yet, uh, still yet to be determined, obviously. Uh, Makai Miller, a guy I love. I think he's going to be a, a great player at Mizzou. He's already shown flashes. Yes. Uh, Isaac Thompson, Marquise Gracial, and DJ Weselak are guys that none of those three have played yet, to my knowledge, but I think still uh, have a great chance to contribute and be and be solid. Yeah, so those those guys, those last three or four you mentioned are guys that have the recruiting pedigree to where these are guys that looking back three or four years from now, we are crossing our fingers that they are, you know, producing more and more as they grow into the program and are leading the team to new heights as juniors and seniors. We did have one departure already from this class. That was Marcus Scott Jr., uh, a Juco transfer is Demarion Houston, Peanut Houston, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if we hit on, you know, some of the guys we just mentioned that are still young and have the recruiting pedigree and some of the guys that we've already seen, I mean, we're looking at a, like a 40% hit rate for this class, which is really, really good and better than any other class we saw. So it's like we've got this weird, you know, balance where we're trying to hit on everybody, but we don't want them to blow up too much because they might transfer out. And so it's just, it's just this weird thing where you know i think that's just the world we're living in if i had to try and guess what's going on with 2021 i you know i'm i'm concerned about the the effects of this down the road whenever these this class is supposed to be seniors and we need that experienced um class to kind of lead the way there's not going to be very many guys left and you know i think that's where the transfer portal can can help to supplement you know where we might be trying to fill some holes but yeah, I, I think that we can say that simultaneously the 21 classes is a, is a concern, but also I don't think it's a trend necessarily. Yeah, so if I'm trying to uh, sort of diagnose the situation here, um, the Missouri had just not really had the opportunity to have guys poached away from other big-name programs because, one, we were not 
each recruiting class, we were not really getting that many guys that were, uh, that their recruiting caliber, their prospect caliber, uh, even made sense for them to show up day one and contribute. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, team ranks 19 and 12 the last two years. So yeah. We weren't doing that before. Right. So, yeah, you look back at these older, these uh, recruiting classes from, you know, the mid uh, 2010s, and you're not seeing four and five four star players. Yeah. That just wasn't happening. And it is. I, I have to think that if Lovett and Wingo don't transfer out, obviously that's a completely different situation and it uh, changes how we are looking at the 2021 recruiting class, but that is something that I just don't think we'll be able to avoid. When these, if we have a solid recruiting class and a couple guys just go off early in their careers and I maybe we could hope that there's less opportunity for that because upperclassmen are, um, you know, our primary starters and there's not these gaping holes in the roster that, that have to be filled by young guys where they just go crazy. And then every team in the country is after them in the, in the uh, transfer portal. There's something about younger players who have the recruiting pedigree, but haven't quite shown it yet just because they haven't had the opportunity they're gonna. They're not really gonna make splashes in the transfer portal like Dominic Lovett did. I just can't help but feel like that's such a unique situation, and one that I I don't think you can really fault the coaching staff or anything that's going on behind the scenes there uh, for how much worse that makes the situation look for the twenty twenty one class. It just seems like something that is unavoidable if you if you find yourself with a, a young guy who has, you know, the Georges of the world coming after him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is something that we're just going to have to weather the storm. Um, and just if we do get a couple of elite seasons out of guys, uh, we just take it. Um, you know, I think that Luther Burden maybe can be a catalyst for something that's unique and kind of being a star and sticking around and maybe – uh, kind of acting by, you know, leading by example almost of, you know, trying to keep a class together. Uh, you know, I think Luther Burden can be obviously special on the field, but special in a more intangible recruiting way uh, and kind of be the glue to hold this pretty special class together that is 22. And an example of what NIL can do for a Mizzou player. Um, may, not everybody will have those opportun- the same opportunities that he's had, but... Uh, there, Missouri is going to be going after players of his caliber that they can point to what he's doing now and be like, yeah, this is the opportunity that is in front of you. Ryan Wingo. Yeah, somebody like that maybe. Um, one kind of interesting thing I wanted to write down, and we talked about a lot of these guys like in, on our journey through all of those classes, but um, just to reiterate uh, what a crapshoot the quarterback recruiting is has been since 2013. You know, we, We've talked about the just this incredible lineage of quarterbacks that we had the pleasure of watching, um, you know, in the previous decade. uh, And they just kind of handed the baton off to one another and were were great year after year. But we kind of hit a dry spell where, you know, every quarterback we we recruited from 2013 through 2021 was Eddie Prince, Trent Hosick, Marvin Zanders, Drew Locke, 
Jack Lowry, Micah Wilson, Taylor Powell, Lindsey Scott Jr., Connor Bazelak, Brady Cook, and Tyler Macon. So really, out of all of those names, the only meaningful player is Drew Locke, and obviously he played for three and a half seasons. But, you know, and maybe this is why I'm thinking it's a little bit depressing to think about it because it's just probably a mistake to get your expectations worked up whenever we get a new quarterback commit. And because it's it's just exciting because of what it could be. Yeah. Um, but also, like, the chances of it hitting are historically low. I do think some of the quarterback recruits we've brought in in the last couple of classes are significantly better players than pretty much all of these players. So yeah. that's that's encouraging for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. So, like, when we're talking about Sam Horn and uh, Jabari Johnson waiting in the wings, um, it's so interesting to contrast the approach that Coach Drink is taking with the quarterbacks to, like, Gary Pinkle, those days, like you were alluding to, of just having this perfectly planned, what seemingly, after the fact, perfectly planned passing of the torch each time, to the extent that it was like, hey, Mizzou fans, here's the next starting quarterback. Watch him play a series every game. And look, not that much drop-off. Now, he's going to go back on the bench, and your starter's going to come out and win the game. And seeing that happen year after year recruiting class after recruiting class i'm still i'm just now coming to terms with the fact that, that was not normal and that as mizzou fans as a mizzou fan i never should have gotten used to that but the time that uh i, I was i was a young boy and i was watching mizzou football and uh that's just how they did it so yeah. i just thought that would never end it was just the good old days right yeah exactly but uh it's, it's crazy how just like the timing of quarterback recruiting can just like throw everything off. Mm -hmm. Like having too many guys too close to each other in age and like um, class year just kind of messes everything up because they're going to look around this room and be like, we're all about the same age and I have not won the starting job two years in a row. I got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It just causes this ambiguity for them and for the fans and, you know, to some extent, maybe even the coaches, because they're just like, uh, I guess we'll just pick the guy that plays best in fall camp. Yeah. And that's a little dangerous. And try to have like complete faith in him. Try to have complete unwavering faith in him. When things don't go that well in the yes. season. Yeah. But what else are you going to do? You can't, I mean, that's not a spot I want to be in. Right. Honestly. Yeah. It's like you can't put all your eggs in one basket. But also, yes, whenever you've got two or three guys battling that are all pretty even, you definitely create this ambiguity. And the, uh, the 2023 class, it's worth mentioning, um, I've got five four-star players in the 2023 class. So after 2021, even with the guys that have left and the guys that have not panned out, you got two recruiting classes back-to-back -back that are still better than most of these years that we've discussed. Mm -hmm. And... Um, We've talked before, it is interesting how like under drink, the top of the list every year has been like tight end, quarterback, wide receiver. And so we are kind of like stacking guys at positions where we're already deep. And that helps when Dominic Lovett leaves, but it kind of makes it interesting uh, for some of these other positions. Yeah, it feels like tight end should be coming around uh, any, of the, any one of these years now would be great. And it's not shocking that we keep having to bring in... Um, 
transfer uh, guys out of the transfer portal for offensive line and defensive line. Yeah. Because the ones we're getting haven't been at the top of the list. Right. And they're not all staying and developing. Right. But think about that transfer hall before last season, like last off season. I mean, just a couple of names off the top of my head, like Tyron Hopper, Joseph Charleston, Jernigan, Jernigan. I mean, instant starters who played a role all season long. And you're telling me that we can do that in a year. Like apparently because uh, Cameron Johnson exactly. coming in going to be starter day one on the offensive line. Exactly. And that's what makes me just be okay with give me my 35% hit rate and yep. we'll figure it out. Yeah. And what was the percentage even with projections for 2021? 2022, 40%. Or 2021, yeah. 30%. Yeah. So even with everything not it's still like, roughly wor- roughly worse worse than what we would want to see year after year but not Just those big players sting a little bit more <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah but i think if we want to be recruiting with the big boys yep. and be like top 20 classes every year to trade off it kind of comes with the territory i mean how many how many ohio state wide receivers have transferred out of the program and done incredible things how many you know nfl quarterbacks uh switched college teams and then uh still went on to be top picks in the nfl yep yeah it's kind of uh it's interesting to uh, my biggest takeaway from looking at all these classes in a row is just how you can it perfectly maps onto the overall college football landscape and how things have changed over the years and whether or not uh coach drinkwitz puts everything together on the field and gets us to like eight wins this year gets us in that uh sec east conversation with georgia uh pulls off a couple of marquee wins whether or not that happens it still seems like with the tell me if you disagree but it seems to me like the caliber of player that we're bringing in each year including the transfer portal is what it needs to be to build the type of team that can the stars can align and we can have a special season. Yeah, I think so. Um, There's still confidence that we're yeah in I that mean, area. Yeah, I mean, who the the kind of talent they're bringing in is is just a different caliber than we've seen before the drink era. And uh, what happens after they have an elite season, whatever. But they still should be given credit for bringing in guys like Dominic Lovett, Makai Wingo, um, and allowing them to like kind of giving them the the opportunity and the platform to have the season they had. I think you still have to give the coaching staff some credit, even though it didn't end how we wanted it to. There's just nothing you could do about it. We just need it to turn into eight wins or so this year. That would, that would sure help. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts on that? I don't think so. It's kind of a fun exercise. That was really fun. Um, going down memory lane for sure. Yeah. Um, it's weird how many of these names like still just kind of stick around in your head all these years later. Yeah, I think the, the the 2012 recruiting class sticks out a ton because I have multiple times uh, entered these players' names into NCAA Football 14. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, to get the roster as accurate as possible. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost time to start thinking about that. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to start <laughs> Almost playing. time to start doing my yearly, uh, wait, spending way too much time doing things that don't matter at all on NCAA 14. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was trying to see if there's any uh, names. Uh, Ish Witter, you mentioned like uh, being a borderline hit. I feel like if you got his 
best season at Mizzou, if you got that out of every uh, like three-star running back that comes our way, that I'd be pretty satisfied with that. He was the the offense was pretty bad that year, though. Oh, yeah. He was a definition of that one cut back. He yeah. just had that one little juke move. Just plant his foot. Undersized, a little bit of an understatement. Yeah. Okay, well, if you got anything out of that, let us know. Yeah, who do we who do we miss? Uh, who who was a hit that we that we didn't say or? Does this make you feel better about the situation? Worse yeah. about the situation? Let us know. Exactly the same. Uh, switching gears a little bit here to college basketball. Um, basically, all bad news. Matthew Cleveland committed to Miami. Jimmy Bell committed to Mississippi State, and. There's a rumor swirling about Kobe Brown. So Matthew Cleveland, Jimmy Bell, we're not getting either one of those guys. Were you surprised by either one of those? And how disappointed are you now? Well, you know, here I was uh, again, kind of like the Caden Shedrick situation where it felt like, okay, all these boxes are being checked. It seems like we are the perfect destination. He goes somewhere else. I kind of started to feel that way about Matthew Cleveland a little bit. Uh, he goes somewhere else. So, you know, by the time his announcement rolled around, I think we already knew he was he was going to Miami. But uh, I, I think I was slightly surprised. I kind of felt like we were the favorites there. Um, that's disappointing. Um, Jimmy Bell, can't even say that I cared that much, but I was surprised that yeah. he canceled his visit to Mizzou today and yeah. committed to Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Cleveland, we kind of talked about last week how Miami is throwing a lot of money around. But one thing that I took for granted that I realized after he posted his commitment, uh, transferring from Florida State to Miami, a little bit of a weird thing to do. Uh, Florida State fans were very, very not happy about it. I think they would have felt a lot better if he had gone to Mizzou or you know anybody else that's not like in the same state and a uh, conference rival. They were even posting pictures of him doing the Miami U symbol upside down after I guess he hit a game winner against them last year. That's like a, a Dominic Lovett situation. Yeah. You're like, you were supposed to help us beat this team. Not, exactly. Not join them. Yes, that <laughs> that's like one of those like reality checks where it's like, oh yeah, uh money trumps everything. Yeah. These players don't care about these like amateurism like rivalries that we literally lose sleep over and, you know, all this stuff. Like they don't care. Yeah. And that's um, kind of tough for a lot of us to face. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and maybe that's not true for everybody, mm-hmm. but for some, for a lot of players, that's, you know, when you're throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially their way, uh, they don't care about the Florida State Miami rivalry anymore. Well, and caring about it when you're on the floor the the moment. Uh, playing a, a basketball game is different than when it's the off season and sure. you're trying to figure out your future. Exactly. Uh, but Jimmy Bell to Mississippi State, yeah, you kind of, you said everything we need to say there, I think. Um, like, unimpressive, and then I thought we were going to get him, and they didn't, so it's like, yeah. okay, whatever. Yeah. What's, now, going on with, what's going on with Kobe Brown, Cameron? Well, I'll tell you what's going on with Kobe Brown is Twitter is bored. Too many people on Twitter want to be uh, insiders and just want to get the rumor mill spun up about absolute nonsense that's never going to happen so you're telling me there's absolutely nothing to these rumors well how would i know first of all <laughs> second of all i sure hope there's not because i shouldn't these, have asked that these rumors uh the rumor on twitter is that kobe brown is going to enter the transfer portal and uh transfer to kentucky yeah 
No, uh, no, thank you. And what did I just say about money? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, I, this is all I'm gonna say is I don't, I don't think Kobe. I, I think Kobe plays at Mizzou next year, or he's in the NBA. Yeah. Is there a scenario where he enters the transfer portal? Yes, and still returns to Missouri. Yes. If he enters the transfer portal, Inter- enters the transfer portal and goes somewhere else. Yes. I think all of those options are on the table. I think that's the least likely option, really, that he goes to the transfer portal and actually goes somewhere else. If there's a Kobe Brown announcement of, I am taking my name out of the NFL in, in the NFL and NBA draft process, and I'm entering my name in the transfer portal, I will die. He missed the NFL draft already. It's over. Well, he can't be drafted in the NFL, but if he removes his name yeah. from the NBA draft and at the same time announces he's entering the transfer portal, he'll die. I will not be able to handle it. I uh, No, I won't either. So it can't happen. I, I've legitimately seen some people say stuff like, I don't know if I can continue to watch college basketball if Kobe Brown goes and plays for another team that's in college. I may be in that camp. No, like, I would watch every single Mizzou game. But I mean, me too, of course. But I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here is like a top five most beloved Missouri basketball player in 20, 30 years maybe like just going somewhere else and playing like no no you can't do that can't happen i refuse to believe that kobe brown will do that to us but then also i hear things like there's potentially like six seven figure deals on the table and i start to think about the fact that we're not watching this the product that maybe we thought we were 10 20 years ago yeah uh last week kobe brown said uh, it's not about NIL if, well, he said it's not about NIL. If I return to Mizzou, it's because I love Mizzou, not because of the money. Uh, I don't want to think about it. I mean, we got su- already, we, we we already spent too much time on these random rumors. We, we got to survive another couple of days. Uh, I think the, the, the deadline to enter the transfer portal is very soon like within the next 24 48 hours okay there i could, didn't even realize there could that. be an announcement that you know that follows that period just the paperwork and all that stuff but i think we only need to survive a few more days um i think we're all gonna look back at this and laugh hopefully yeah. and not look back and laugh at what i just said well just now on this podcast is the most worked up i have been about this and the most worked up i'm going to be about this i'm putting it behind me it's not happening and the the rumor mill on Twitter needs to settle. It needs to settle down, <laughs> and I need to just uh, stay off Twitter. Okay, but we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Okay, we're moving forward. Moving forward um, with the end of the show, I guess. Does that sound right? Sounds right to me. Okay, well, let's get out of here. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, and Cooper Boyer. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We love you more than life itself. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod. You can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.PickCartel.com. If you couldn't tell, we can hear the music now we couldn't previously that's why we're nodding our head more thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week